Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hi, everyone. I'm Julie Gunlock, Director of the Culture of Alarmism Project at the Independent Women's Forum and your host for today's Working for Women podcast. Today, I have a very special and very interesting guest for you all. Paige Wolf is a publicist, author, and green living expert who promotes what she calls manageable eco-chic living. Paige is the author of the book, Spit That Out, The Overly Informed Parent's Guide to Raising Healthy Kids in the Age of Environmental Guilt, and she's also the owner of Paige Wolf Media and Public Relations, which is an eco-friendly PR firm focused on sustainable clientele. Paige regularly appears on television as a green living expert, and she writes about green living and parenting for several publications. She lives in Philly with her husband and two children, who I have met and seen and are adorable. So, Paige, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. And the first thing that I want to say is how much, how gracious it is of you and your show to have somebody on who has clearly such conflicting viewpoints on just about everything. And I don't know if I would have been as gracious. So I really appreciate that. You're so, you're so nice. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I was going to kind of tell the listeners a little bit of the history um, sort of uh, between us and also just how different we are. Um, but I will say before, um, before I go into that, IWF has a long history of trying really hard to engage the other side and, um, and trying to bring reasonableness to the debate. Um, and mm. I think also our message and our, our tone is always one of compassion, um, that we want people to understand that while we may not agree with them, um, we try not to demonize the other side. I think that we may not agree with uh, some women on on certain uh, policy issues, but we try to understand the points that they're making and not demonize them. And um, frankly, after meeting you, I think you do the same. So let me give the listeners just a quick um, overview. Um, I think for those who have listened to my podcast before, um, you might be, as I introduced Paige with, you know, eco-living and sustainable, these are not terms you usually hear. Um, and, and you would be right. Uh, Paige Wolf is what you might call my opposite, uh, both poli- politically and when it comes to giving parenting advice on health and safety issue. Uh, but Paige and I recently met in person for the first time after having some friendly and very civil uh, disagreements on Twitter. Um, and surprisingly for both of us, we, were really, we really got along and we found areas of agreement. Um, so today we're going to explore those areas a bit and touch on some of the areas where there isn't so, isn't so much agreement. I think it's interesting to talk about those as well. So Paige, if you could first tell me a bit about how you got into this sort of space, parenting and advice on eco-living um, and, and how you started writing on these topics. Sure. I mean, look, I did not grow up in any kind of an eco-friendly lifestyle. I probably, like most of our generation, really grew up in that sort of like 80s household of like lucky charms and throwing cigarettes out the car window. I mean, this was foreign to me. I did not grow up on a, a commune, okay? And I really came to an understanding of the importance and the reality of these issues probably maybe 10 to 15 years ago only when I started um, 
reading about them and watching documentaries and talking to people. And I, it was really a learning process for me. And then, of course, you know, when I became pregnant, which is really the time when um, people sort of become hyper aware of what they're putting in and on their bodies and some of the health risks and some of the realities of what's happening uh, with rising rates of things like autism and ADHD and obesity and just sort of like, okay, what can I reasonably do to try to give myself and my children a better shot? Um, and I became really passionate about it and began to educate myself as much as I could. And I began sharing what I consider to be sort of practical, reasonable and affordable advice to make some steps for, you know, better living in that regard. Well, you know, we may disagree. I, I think you and I, and we can get into this a little bit more, but one thing I think that is really interesting and that what I've grown to appreciate a little bit more about your advice is that you don't do the, you must live on a commune, grow all of your own food, grow wheat, which you then have to grind yourself and then bake your bread. Like you give some, now I, again, like I actually don't, think that, I mean, I'm fine with people if they want to buy Wonder Bread and Fruit Loops as long as they eat these things in moderation and supplement with healthier items. But, and I know that you really say to avoid certain things, but I, but, but you're not sort of an 100% must live in this way. You understand. You know, I don't really know anybody who is. I mean, yeah. I have so many friends and colleagues in this movement and I feel like, um, I feel like, you know, you got, I don't want to say you guys, right? Maybe within sort of your side of the movement. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you think that people, who, these moms and, and of course, you know, our, our bloggers and people who are out there that were concerned about the impact of chemicals on our kids that were like downers and elitists and neurotics, but that's <laughs> not me. And it's not, and it's not the people that I know. And it's, and it's not about being nervous or worried per se. It's about taking the power into our own hands and not necessarily trusting corporations or government agencies to tell us what's safe, but to do the research on our own and take common sense steps to avoid what I consider to be unnecessary toxic yeah. exposures. And, you know, I try not to do the, um, the always or the never because we live in the real world and I don't want my kids to live in a bubble. And if I tell them that they can never in their whole lives try a sip of soda, then they might very well rebel. That could be their active rebellion as teenagers. And, um, but I mean, there are some things, there's a couple of things where I really say never, because there's just like, I don't see any need why you need a PVC shower curtain. And I don't think you need to have plug in air fresheners. And I don't think that avoiding Mountain Dew is going to diminish the quality of one's life. Right. So it's really like a risk benefit thing. Um, but it's interesting because I think that we do agree on the power of parents being, you know, taking matters into our own hands and not necessarily trusting the corporations or government agencies. That actually seems to be a common ground, but, you know, there's, there's, there's also some level of, of, you know, reason that needs to come into that. I think that what Absolutely. we really disagree on is some, is, I think we disagree on um, the accuracy of some of the science. We disagree on some of the studies. And we disagree on how to relay that information. Yeah, I, I agree. And one thing I think that is very interesting and very important to point out is that Paige and I definitely agree on the power of parents. You mentioned that, the power, you, put, you use that phrase, the power of parenting. And what frustrates me a lot is that, you know, for instance, in the school lunch program, um, you and I may ag agree on, on certain things or disagree on, like, what is being served and, you know, the, if the food is nutritious enough 
But what we do agree on is that uh, it's too bad that so many kids are, uh, well, I suspect we agree on, is that too, so many kids are eating the school lunch program because I feel like parents should really be in charge of their child's nutrition. And every time I see these articles which say, like, don't feed your kids this or don't feed your kids that, I'm, I, there is some conflict for me because on the one hand, I hate this idea of, like, your kid's going to keel over and die if they have a, so, if they have a sip of Mountain Dew. But I, I do like the idea of parents being more involved. And if you look at the research on childhood obesity, there's really only one factor that keeps kids at a healthy weight, and that is the increase. If as as parental involvement increases in nutrition, as parents like cook more for their kids, sit down to dinner with their kids, and and really practice strong parenting habits, their kids generally stay at a healthy weight. And that's there are exceptions, but I think one thing right. that I always applaud. I actually just wrote an op-ed criticizing the New York state PTA uh, for trying to pass a resolution that would ban GMO ingredients in school lunches. Because, first of all, I just, I don't agree on the science. I think that GMOs are completely safe. But I also think that, like, this, is, this kind of thing sends a message. But it's interesting, the very first line of my, my article says, I'm thrilled that these parents are more interested in what their kids are being served at school. I just don't agree with this particular message. So I think you, too, would right. agree, like, the message needs to be like get involved, get involved. With well, kids. yeah, yeah, I do, but so, but I, so I disagree about the danger of GMOs, right? And I mean, we could get into I don't know oh, if we need to do. get into the science of all of oh, this. Let's we, do. do you want to? Sure. I mean, <laughs> I mean um, so okay, so my 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 personal take on GMOs, and let me let me preface this: I am not a scientist. I don't. Know, think neither that am I. You are either. Okay, so this right, is from. But but uh, but we but we have friends and colleagues who are right. So I, right. I, I what I try to do is glean the best information that I can from it. So my take on GMOs is sort of it's, it's risk benefit, right? And I think that the study on GMOs themselves, um, I've seen enough that gives me pause, and I do believe in the precautionary principle. That's not to say that I won't go that if Paige, I go out to dinner explain, with my family. Paige, can can oh, you sure, explain? Sure. Can yeah. you explain the precautionary principle? Because sure. I don't think people know. Sort of, oh, sure. It's just sort of saying, like, you know, um, until something is proven safe or if, I, or, or, or if I have concerns about the safety of something, to, to sort of avoid it if I reasonably can, right? So, like, right. for me, better safe, what I do... better safe than sorry. Yeah. Better, thank you. Thank you for putting it into more understandable words. Better safe than sorry. Better safe than sorry. And better safe than sorry in the fact that what I, what I do know to be true about GMOs is that um, in, in most cases, the use of, you know, having these crops that are resistant to pesticides leads to the increase of more pesticides. And okay, what I do so know I, to be true... Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. I do want... And my concern is about pests. My concern is about pesticides, right, and what's been scientifically proven and peer-reviewed studies to show that pesticides increases risk not to just the people who are eating it, but to the, the workers, the farmers, and to the planet. Okay. So I want to respond to some, some of those points. In fact, okay. pesticide use goes down with GMO use because what happens with GMOs is they are able to put a, a, essentially a pesticide into the genetic code of the seed. So if an animal eats the seed, they kill over and die. Or it, it, it require now there are GMOs um, seeds that are herbicide resistant. So when they spray the field, but I want to be very clear to people: 
when they spray glyphosate, for instance, which is the most commonly used herbicide, okay, mm-hmm. it's the active ingredient in Roundup, they use a soda can. So we're talking eight-ounce soda can for an entire football field worth. Because when you see the pictures of the spraying of the field, they take a soda can amount of glyphosate and dump it into gallons of water. So most of what you're seeing is water. So I just want to make clear that actually the data shows that pesticide use actually goes down with GMO. The other thing I want to so make that's clear not, is... Okay, well that's, all right, we'll get to that. Okay, go ahead. I, but I, but I, <laughs> want, I also want to make sure that you are mentioning true. that about the safety, okay, there are the, the safety of GMOs. There have been over 2,000 studies, and I'll, I'll let you respond. There have been over 2,000 studies that have, have, have certified the safety of GMOs. And now we need to be clear. I'm going to list the organizations that have certified GMOs as safe. FDA, USDA, the American Association for the Advancements of Science, the American Medical Association, the the National Academy of Sciences, the World Health Organization, the French Academy of Science, the Food Standards Agency of Australia and New Zealand, the Union of German Academics of Science and Humanities, the European Commission, the Royal Society of of Medicine in in Great Britain, and the Academy of Sciences in Brazil, China, India, and Mexico. I mean, we are not talking about just studies. We are talking about major academic and scientific organizations that have certified now the response when I give that list is usually, but GMOs are banned in Europe. But the reason GMOs mm-hmm. are banned in Europe, and we've seen it here in the United States, is often science can say one thing and politicians do entirely another thing. So I just want to make clear, and I, I, it's fine that they, now there are studies, there are studies out there that show harm associated with GMOs. Those studies are not peer-reviewed, because like with the Cirillini study, the famous Cirillini study, he did not give his methodologies. He would not give his methodology, so it has not been, re- re- has not been um, replicated, which is, uh, you know, this is sort of a standard in the scientific method. Secondly, with GMO, and I don't mean to play gotcha here, but I think it's important <laughs> to understand that there is, there is a weight of evidence. There is like an overwhelming weight of evidence that they are safe. And, and getting back to the parents' issue, when, when, if you looked at the resolution for the New York PTA, they didn't say any of this stuff. And so, Paige, you're very good about, like, kind of calming everyone down and having a reasonable voice. It's like people can make their own decisions, but if we're going to say, like, you know, all these organizations say GMOs are dangerous, and I understand the precautionary principle, because the idea is, well, eventually there will be a scientific study that comes out, right, So that, that says that. But, I mean, we can't operate that way. We have to sort of... Well, okay, I, I want to reply to a couple sure, of points. Sure, First sure, sure. of all, the total, the total volume of, of glyphosate applied to the three biggest GE crops, and we know that that's corn and cotton and soybeans, which are like a mm-hmm. huge amount of what's being farmed now. Yeah. So the amount of pesticide actually increased tenfold um, from... 15 million pounds in the 90s to 159 million pounds as of a couple of years ago. So there absolutely is an increase of herbicide. There are a couple of crops where you're right, the pesticide is within the crop. I'm not particularly fond of that either because I have read enough studies and I have read peer-reviewed studies and I can bring them up and I don't have them cited on a document in front of me, but I could share them with you later that shows that there is risk and they have seen that and they have seen increases. And, you know, with the increase in kids, you know, the, with allergies, like when you were growing up, did kids have peanut allergies? No. Mm-mm. Be, well, no, okay. 
maybe it's what's being done to our food. Okay, so like let's. Oh, oh, I thought you were asking. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you were asking if my children had peanut. Oh, sorry. No, sorry, I'm no, saying, did you general. see how often did you see a peanut allergy, a life-threatening peanut allergy? How many kids were carrying inhalers? I mean, every kid in in my kids' preschool has got an inhaler, and every other kid has got an EpiPen. Okay, so. I believe firmly that what's being done, this is not the food that our grandparents ate. I believe that's what's being done to our food. There is concern. I'm not saying that I will never eat something that has a GMO. I believe at the very least it should be labeled. At the very least it should be labeled. And we're getting there and we're getting improvements because if it's so safe, why not label it? And I don't agree that in Europe it's because of the politicians. It's in the politicians' best industry to kind of let this stuff so they don't gain anything by putting a ban oh, but they on do. GMOs. Oh, oh, look, look, we, we see regulations on, uh, on things in this country, too. I mean, they have the American Medical Association, the USDA, the FDA have all approved uh, GMOs, okay? Not even, I mean, Michelle Obama's school lunch program reforms didn't even say any, a dang thing about GMOs, okay? So everybody well, she was just trying it. to get... Every, well, yeah, yeah, but okay, but, but but back to back to the major scientific organizations that have certified GMO technology as for use, uh, and, and not only that, I mean, they did they recently did a study of over twenty nine years of data analysis on animals that have have received GMO feed, and there has not been one abnormal animal sort of reaction, no sickness. These are like yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, absolutely the, have. The, what, there is a significant body of evidence showing that pesticide use has reduced by 37%. And this was in, in a study published in PLUS One. So I know, I know there are studies on either side, and we can argue this back and forth. But the bottom right. line is, is that these serious, academic, very well-respected scientific organizations confirm that GMO use is perfectly safe for human and animal consumption. And the other question I have, and, and then, but then politics, and look, we ha- we've seen it here in the United States. We now have to label GMOs, even though, there, uh, even though there is not one nutritional difference between GMO. GMOs aren't an ingredient, right? So they're not like, they're not actually like you put something, you know, you're like putting something in. It's not, it's not different nutritionally. There's the same calorie in an ear of GMO corn as an ear of, of non-GMO corn. There's the same nutrition. Right. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not arguing the nutrition. There are studies yeah. to say that there is a nutritional difference in organic food, but that is not my concern. Okay, at the end of the day, I would rather see somebody eat well, an apple to, let, than yeah, that of Cheetos. Well, okay, so let's, let's get to an area where we agree on because I, okay. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. No, I'm kidding. Um, but let's, let's, let's switch to an, air, an area we agree on. Because I, I, much prefer that. I, made, I made you sweat, though. I'm really proud that you I made, made you sweat. You made me sweat. Okay. You know, um, so, so, yeah, well, at least we're not talking about the presidential election, right? No. Um, so, oh, God, so, no. But, no. <laughs> so let's talk about, because you mentioned organic, let's talk about this pressure um, on moms to buy organic, which this, the thing that bothers me the most about this whole area is that, and, and I don't, I, I can't imagine you'll argue with me that organic, now I buy organic sometimes when it's on sale, so I know there are exceptions, yeah. but organic is generally more expensive. And when generally, you say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so when you say yeah. you should buy more organic food, organic, I mean, because now I know you're not in this category, but when there are these mommy bloggers and these organic marketing, because there's, there's scare tactics on both sides of these corporations, organic is, is big business as well. And so when you have an organic industry, you have a mommy blogger saying you have to buy organic. I mean, 
you know, it most I live in a really nice area outside of Washington D.C. I can afford to, to to shop at Whole Foods, but there are a heck of a lot of people around my town that can't that are struggling. Right, right. And, I, I, and I and I can't afford to shop at Whole Foods either. Yeah. So yeah. let me tell you how I make this work because I do believe that there's a difference, and I would say that probably about eighty percent to ninety percent of the food in my home is organic which is not to say that my kid doesn't go out and eat 600 cupcakes at a birthday party at school, okay? <laughs> so I, I believe in doing what I can within my own home because I believe that that makes a difference. So how do I make organic more affordable and accessible for me? Well, there's a couple things, okay? So first of all, I think we're voting with our dollars, and we've seen that as the demand for this goes up, the prices have come down. I think it's a good thing overall that these big corporations, these big food organizations are, are buying the mom and pop brands. Now, that's controversial to say, and some of my colleagues wouldn't agree with me. But if I can find Annie's Organic Mac and Cheese on the shelf at CVS on sale and I can use my 30% off CVS coupon, then I do it. If I can go on LuckyVitamin.com where everything is like super cheap and there's no membership fees or, or Jet.com for that matter or some massive sale at Costco, I can do that. So there's ways that you can find more affordable. Outside of that, I think that when you're when I'm teaching people and I don't or or, or trying to give some advice on a greener, more eco friendly lifestyle, so at the core of that is really consuming less. And if you are spending more money trying to live a greener lifestyle, you're probably doing something wrong. And here's why. I ninety to ninety five percent of my clothes and my children's clothes are hand me down. Right. Our, most of our furniture is secondhand. Right. Before I go and buy anything on Amazon, I go on my local Buy Nothing Facebook group, which is this awesome neighborhood group. Like just yesterday, I was like, oh, my daughter's just destroyed all of her like three T leggings. Does anybody have any? And someone immediately is like, yeah, my daughter outgrew hers. Come pick them up around the corner. Right. We save so much money. We don't spend money on things like we don't buy clothes. We don't buy handbags and shoes. And we don't. We, what's important to us, like is we spend our money on food. And it's also interesting because in our nation, we spend so much less of our income on food than most nations. Most nations spend such a wider percentage of their income on food. And we spend so little relatively, like it's not priority. So I think, you know, what I would say to people is that maybe instead of like running out and immediately buying the latest iPhone or, you know, every Pikachu card or whatever it is, you know, to try to make um, what we're putting in our bodies, what we're eating a little bit more of a priority, especially because now it is more accessible and affordable and you can find things at comparable prices. So that's my I, I agree. I agree. But I will tell you, I think that there is, it is unnecessary to scare moms about the superiority, because it's a myth, of organic food. Um, organic food is no nutritionally better. And this is the other thing, Paige. You know, the reason, the polls show that the reason most people buy organic, which I think is a scam, and I think it is a pure marketing tool, is the reason people are buying organic is to avoid pesticides. We know that the USDA approves pesticide use for organic food. If you think that, that, orga- that, 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 they are not, that organic manufacturers, organic farmers are not using pesticides, I've got a bridge to sell you. And the other thing is they use, quote-unquote, natural methods of fertilization, including animal manure, which can lead to, to higher rates of foodborne illnesses, which I think is a risk people deserve to know. I'm not saying don't buy organic because they use poop on the, on the crops. That's fine. But I'm saying, like, how do you think mushrooms grow? Should, 
people should know this. It's the no, well, the rates, the rates, but the rates of food, food. Whenever you see in the news, the whenever reason you see the, the rates are higher like for E. coli, it's 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 not the organic brand. That's not it's true. Like there have been there have been that is there have been tremendous outbreaks within the organic community, and the reason that organic has a lower rate of foodborne illness is because they're not they don't have as big of a market share. There are just not as many foodstuffs out there that are organic, but when you, when you break it down by looking at the percentages, it really is higher. And so I, I'm just saying that people deserve to know this. So there isn't, a, so this is the thing that bothers me too. You have organizations like the Environmental Working Group trotting out every year. I, I'd like your opinion on their, on their Dirty Dozen list, okay? Their Dirty what, Dozen What is list. my opinion on their Dirty Dozen list? <laughs> yeah. What is my opinion? opinion? I, 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 I like their Dirty Dozen list. <laughs> Well, I do. Well, but, 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 okay, so for, view, for viewers, I always say viewers, for listeners who don't know what the EWG is, it's the Environmental Working Group, which is an environmental organization, very powerful, makes tons of money, okay, and they trot out a lot of environmental sort of studies. They do in-house studies, which in no way meet scientific standards, okay, they do, stu- they do like, say they do studies on GMOs and organic food and this stuff, fine, but they're not independent. They are often, they're funded, uh, they're funded by a lot of, uh, a lot of sort of organic interests. But environmental and, working uh, IDG, IWF is funded by a lot of other interests. So let's you know. Uh, IWF is mainly fun, uh, IWF. Uh, first of all, I don't. I I am not a food manufacturer, and IWF is also funded by individuals and foundations. So, you know, and 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 mom bloggers advertise organic foods on their and and some mom bloggers don't. Some mom bloggers advertise you know, regular conventional food. But, you know, I, I, I don't think we really need to get into sort of like a switching. There's money everywhere. On, so let's just take on, on like, money. Like, like, let's, but yeah, I, but let's, I think, let's it's, money but I think it. it's important to uh, you to know that, that EWG every year trots out the, the, the what's called the Dirty Dozen List, which says you should avoid these dozen foods because they have the highest rates of pesticide residue. And what is their solution? Their solution is to buy organic when organic food mm-hmm. also uses pesticides. And this is the other thing. When it, it bothers me tremendously when you say when you say pesticide residue, like this is terrifying, because for my child to reach the EPA's level of pesticide um, exposure, they'd have to eat. I, I mentioned this when I mentioned this to you when we met. They'd have to eat right, fifteen hundred strawberries. strawberries. Why in the world? Right, and it's, and it's, I, but is strawberries the only way that those are those strawberries the only way? No. That persistent pesticides and other persistent chemicals are getting into their bodies. No, it's not just the shampoo. It's not just the strawberries. Okay, it's not. It's not. It's not just the the shoelace that they're chewing on. This stuff is is it's cumulative. Okay, no. there's so much stuff. So if we can avoid some of it, no, <laughs> this stuff is cumulative no. in our bodies. They did tests to show, and these are real. You know, real tests when people stop eating. When people change to an organic diet, the amount of these things in their bodies, in their systems, completely went down. And we can talk. We can oh, even go to endocrine disruption. So, how come the Endocrine Society, which is the biggest global membership organization, which, is of which has been taken over, which has been taken over by activist scientists who are very loud, large the, the Endocrine Society, in, in large part doesn't agree with a lot of the things coming out but from these from these activist scientists. And I actually wrote an op-ed recently about activist scientists taking over these these professional associations, taking over these societies, and it's a real problem within the scientific community. What do they have to gain? To, what do they have money. to gain by recommending money. that we invoke the, pro, 
that we invoke the precautionary principle. Tons of money. Tons of money. Because at the end of these studies, these activist studies that they put out or that they publish in these predatory, you know, these, I mean, you know about these predatory journals where they will print anything for money. uh, Recently, have you heard of um, Adam Ruins Everything? Adam Ruins Everything, hilarious no. show, right, where he actually submitted the, the script of his show to a predatory scientific journal. Okay, it's actually, it looks like a predatory journal, or I mean, it looks like a scientific journal, journal, but it's called one of these predatory journals because if you give them $1,500, they'll print everything, anything. And so a lot of these activist scientists are printing things in not-so-reputable scientific journals. Um, so, look, I have I, I, so I, many peer-reviewed studies. I mean, I could probably <laughs> send you, like, they're not. Why you're laughing? They're not peer-reviewed studies. I, they're not I, by doctors. I, they're not I, by I, scientists. I think. I think, books, I, I, mean, think I think what? there are a lot of studies that look like studies that aren't studies. So how come yours? Why are your studies better than my studies? I mean, <laughs> like, well, I know. This is really. This is really. You're, you're absolutely right, Paige. You're absolutely right. This is the big problem in science now. That I think. I think two moms here are two moms who love their kids and want the best for their kids, and it's very, very hard. To, to figure out what's true and what's not true. And part of it is because, for instance, the Breast Cancer Fund, okay, the Breast Cancer Fund puts out this study saying that kids are being poisoned by canned foods, okay, BPA and canned foods. So what they did mm-hmm. is they took, this, they took the cans and they sent it out to a lab, and sure enough, it showed that BPA had leached into this canned food, okay. It is, it is hundreds of thousands of milligrams below what... The, the EPA has set as the allowable amount of, of this chemical to be in your body. Now, it, we're not the food babe. I know you're not the food babe who says there, there is no, no, chem- I mean, water is chemicals. Cantaloupe has chemicals. Everything yes. has chemicals yes. in it, right? Yeah. I know yes. you're not yes. like that. Yes, I say that, that right? in my book. Water is a chemical. Right. Yeah. No, right. I'm and not. So, so, and, and like, so when, about, but, okay, go ahead and finish. So when there's an affordable, <laughs> when there is a, an affordable can of chicken noodle soup, okay, that someone on, right. on, who is on, on every form of, of, of food welfare, okay, who's like struggling to get shoes for her kid, and, and, and you're going to say that a can of, of chicken noodle soup is bad because it has BPA in it. Now, I know what you're going to say is bioaccumulation. Am I right? Well, yeah, that's a part of it. Yeah, and yeah. that, yeah, 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 that's a part of it. And don't tell me we pee it out, okay? Because we don't pee everything out. <laughs> okay. Well, that's... We don't you, pee if, everything out. <laughs> if, if, if you read... If, if you read the study that was done at the National Labs, at Pacific National Lab by, by Tiergarten, okay, it, it shows that, that we do metabolize m- most of the chemicals that come into our body. And I know you make fun of me when I say we pee it out, but we do pee a lot of this. We do pee some, no, we do pee some of it yeah. out. We do pee some of it out. But and it we doesn't don't stick out, around. Right? It just simply does. And we don't pee out the Teflon chemicals. And, and I mean, there's a, there's, there's, there's we a are lot. Not and injecting, like, we are not injecting this stuff. When you, when you look at the studies that show harm related to BPA, most of the studies inject BPA directly into the veins of, of rats. In one study, they actually removed the skull cap skulls of a monkeys they were still alive and injected it straight into their brain shocking there were problems okay but nobody is sniffing bpa nobody's injecting uh bpa into their veins you know you're eating it it goes through the gut and you're largely you know we're going to disagree on this but i think what i think what you and i would agree on and 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 i have to wrap this up but i think this is i think I, what you and i would agree on is do your best with the finances you have, with the time you have, 
and I'll let you have the last word. Thank you. So, so, so <laughs> leaving it, so leaving it at that, and that was a good argument. And again, I don't think that you and I are the best people to have that debate, right? Because we're not scientists. We're just moms who are trying to get the best information that we can, right? If we can avoid some of these things without significantly altering our quality of life, why wouldn't we? If we can find affordable, safer shampoos and cosmetics and soap without these things that work just as well, I feel like it's not a big deal to switch to reusable metal food containers, mm. and that's actually more affordable than disposable plastic. It's not a big deal to refuse paper receipts or to not use plug-in air fresheners. And I, and I would say that no one's advocating that people should choose Cheetos over a conventional apple. Um, you know, even in my book, we pose the question, should one choose organic processed food over fresh conventional produce? And the unanimous answer is to go with the fresh produce. But if you can pay a little more for organic and save money in other areas of your life where green living will actually save you money, I think that you really should. Okay. Okay. I lied. I'm not giving the last word, but it's my show. <laughs> no. um, but, but listen, the last show. thing I will say, and it's not, it's not, totally contradictory. But I will tell you this, Paige. I understand what you're saying. If it doesn't significantly impact you or your budget, why not? I'll tell you why not. Because you are sending, and I know, I I don't mean you, okay, but I mean women who do that, who say, you know what, if I can buy organic, why not? Because it sends a message to those who live at or under the poverty line that this this is better, there is a such thing as aspirational shopping, and an awful lot of people who do not have the money to buy these so-called better products try hard. They sacrifice other things, their own savings, um, to, to sort of live the way that, and, and I, I'm not, I, I don't think this is an exaggeration, white, wealthy, very uh, uh, you know, easy-living women shop. And I worry about that. I think that that is the most important thing to me, is that when, when we give advice that's, that's, that's not that, like, hey, if it doesn't impact your thing, because some women it will impact their, everything impacts their budget. And so th- I think that is a core, core difference. And I know, because you're a good person and you care about, I know that you don't want to give unnecessary advice, but I think that that's, okay, now I'm going to let you respond, because I have to let you respond. <laughs> And I, and, 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 I, and I don't think that's my message. I think, you know, there's a lot of aspirational spending on things that, like, we would we agree are, are, are completely ridiculous. But the reason that I'm doing the work that I'm doing and I'm asking people to vote with their dollars is because it is making a difference and it's making this stuff more accessible and affordable. I keep using the, the, I keep using the example of, like, yeah, the I corner know. stores now that sell the yeah. Annie's Organic and yeah, yeah, yeah. at the basically the same price as the craft and right. and again I'm, I'm not telling anybody to to forego the apples for the cheetos i mean we're 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 on we're on the same page with this you know we just yeah. we just you know trying to to make this stuff you know break this stuff down and we don't want anyone to have a nervous breakdown over it well listen i i want to thank Paige well for coming on i know that it's always kind of tough to debate these issues and these are big issues and big emotional issues and i hope that people listen, uh, who are listening to this, um, uh, take my, no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, no, I hope people that listen to this 
get a good sense that, look, you know, we may differ on, on, on some of these issues, but ultimately we care about our kids. And I think Paige and I, again, I want to say we differ on a lot of things, but we agree that you should do the best you can with the money you have and try not to get, uh, you know, too nervous about, about these food decisions. Um, so, listen, again, Paige, thank you for coming on. Her book is Spit, uh, Paige, Spit That Out or Spit It Out? Spit That Out. Spit That Out. Spit That, spit that Out. out. It's, a, it's available on Amazon. Um, and again, Paige, thanks for coming on. This has been another edition of the Working for Women podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by iwf.org for similar content.